Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, you've got your Bible. You got your thinking cap. <laughs> Does anybody know what a thinking cap is anymore? Good evening, everybody. This is Soapy. Stacy is here with us. Good to see you, dear. Uh, my daughter Stacy is with us, and John's here in the studio as well to help us with uh, taking your phone calls and responding and uh, getting some notes down from for us from time to time. He he passes his wisdom on to us in various different ways. Mm-hmm. But anyway, John's here watching the board for us and keeping an eye on the telephones as well. This is the Bible Live. We've made our way already through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And tonight, this past week, we read the almost the entire book of the Judges, chapters 1 through 18. And uh, we have done that. We have also read already this year and starting, we start our Bible Live reading year in the first part of November. And we've also read in this time so far, we've read the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. Now, this coming week, we will finish up the book of Judges on Monday evening. On Tuesday, we will read the the precious, beautiful little book of Ruth in the Old Testament. Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. These three books uh, cover a, a particular period of time. The from the time the people entered into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. Uh, that's about a 25-year period. And then you have about a 300 to 325-year period of the judges. Uh, and we'll discuss that more in depth this evening. These 12 judges that God raises up during his period of time, 300 to 325 years. And we're, we'll talk in, in more in depth about the book of Judges. It is one of the more... I don't know. I don't want to say confusing. There's nothing confusing about it, but graphic. I think what <laughs> graphic graphic without a doubt. It is one of the very real, very detailed, detailed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yet one of the things I would like for you to participate with us tonight, folks on the on the phone lines. I'd love to hear from some of you who maybe, you know, something about the book of Judges now. Uh, we're going to we're going to speak tonight and talk about the book of Judges as if perhaps you don't know. Maybe there are many of you listening that, oh, I've never read the Bible. I don't know what what is the book of Judges all about. And and so we're going to try to speak at that level. But also we know that some of you know the Bible, you know, the book of Judges, you're familiar with these stories. And the uh, question becomes, how do we apply what are the lessons that we should learn from the book of Judges as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ today, as God's people today? What, what lessons do we take for ourselves, 
for our, uh, just individually our, in our role as moms and dads and families and brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and so on and in the workplace and so on as citizens and then uh, as churches, as congregations uh, of, of God's people. And then uh, ultimately, then what application can we take from the book of Judges uh, for our nation as a whole and God's people? Now, we're not Israel. America is not Israel. We don't have that covenant relationship, but God's people do. We, as uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are uh, grafted in. We are part of God's covenant relationship with his people. And so what what can we learn? What can we uh take away from these stories of these 11 men and one woman who served as the judges of Israel. Uh, I'd like for you to give us a call tonight about that. We're going to go into detail. We'll talk about each of the judges, what they did, how they accomplished it, and some of them more in-depth than others. Uh, Several of the stories are quite lengthy. Others of them are very brief very quick, uh, the uh, one female um, judge, Deborah, uh, her story is lengthy. She has a, a chapter, uh, she writes a song of victory. Yeah. And Deborah actually it turns out to be one of the judges that really, there's nothing bad to say. She She's faithful, she's godly, mm-hmm. she's courageous, mm-hmm. and God uses her to deliver the people of Israel mm-hmm. from uh, oppression. Mm-hmm. And, and so, Deborah, then you have Gideon. His story is quite lengthy. Uh, Jephthah's story is quite lengthy, but it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's not a nice story. It's not all packaged up with a bow and looking nice. Uh, it's got a lot of difficulty in it. Uh, and then, of course, Samson is the next one that's quite long. And and then this, after the book, the time of the judges, this is a 300-year period. Uh, in the year, about 1,500 years before Christ is when the people of Israel uh, generally, uh, in broad strokes, enter into uh, enter into the promised land under the, Joshua's leadership. And then they are there from about, ooh, what, 1375 to, they they enter into the promised land. And then they uh, have 25 years of of battle to to conquer uh, the conquest of of Canaan. And the people of Israel then, they scatter out to their individual allotments of land, the different tribes. And then for the next 300 years, there is no central government. Uh, there's no king, uh, and that's one of the um, that's one of the characteristics of the book of Judges. It says there is no king, and every man did what was right in his own sight. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a kind of a watchword. Or if there was a if there's kind of a key verse, that would be it. <laughs> they lived their truth. Is that the <laughs> yeah? That's what the, the, it, there wasn't a leader, so everybody did what the, their own idea of what they should do, and. Uh, that led them to some terrible, terrible. It's one of the ugliest books. Yeah. If, is that right? A good way to put it. I think so. If you thought Sodom and Gomorrah was bad, it's as if Judge. It's it, which it which it was. Judges is the fruition. It's, it's the at least it's Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom you know, and Gomorrah institutionalized <laughs> for right, three hundred years. Right and fulf- and yeah yeah. 
it's 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 a very graphic, very terrible time uh, of in in the history. Let me let me review where we've been so far. Well, we've read Genesis, and of course about creation, uh, creation of the world, Adam and Eve, and so on, and move on to Noah and the great flood, and and, uh, chapter seven, and then to pick up with Abraham in chapter eleven and twelve. And then it ends, started in a garden, the Garden of Eden, and it ends up in a coffin in Egypt. Uh, the people of Israel go down into Egypt, and there, then we pick up in the book of Exodus. They've been there for 400 years, as was predicted by God to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. The people of Israel were in Egypt for 400 years. They became a, a really uh, not a nation. Uh, they became a mob of slaves. They still had some memory, some understanding of their past and their legacy and their heritage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a covenant people of the covenant following after the tr- true and living God. Uh, they retained some of their understanding and, and memory, but uh, through the centuries, that's interesting, 400 uh, 400 years and many generations there uh, that they had to retain and keep that identity as the tribes of Israel, their their identity as the people of God. And then uh, Moses comes along in the book of Exodus, the birth of Moses, uh, his life, um, 40 years in the palace of, of Pharaoh, 40 years out in the wilderness tending sheep, and then 40 years leading the people of Israel. Uh, first, he has to negotiate with the Pharaoh and uh, got God working on his side with the, 12, the 10 plagues. And they got the people of Israel out of Egypt and to the base of Mount Sinai in the Sinai Peninsula. And that's where we have Genesis Exodus. Leviticus then comes along, and it is the um, kind of the pots and pans of the Old Testament. It's, 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 it's the details of of uh, the nation building that God is going to do as he uh, as he reintroduces himself to this people the of Abraham Isaac and Jacob he God is presented to them he reveals himself to them uh, he reveals his laws to them the Ten Commandments uh, they uh, in Leviticus they, they Moses expands on those laws to six hundred and thirteen different laws that come out of the, the basic Ten Commandments. Uh, there are the Book of Leviticus has to do with the Levites and the tribe that is to watch out for the spiritual well-being of the nation. And so there are rules and, and directions given for worship uh, in the tabernacle, the building of the tabernacle. Uh, in fact, Exodus ends. The Book of Exodus ends with uh, God coming in and. Uh, uh, taking up his dwelling place in the in the tabernacle, and then in Leviticus it talks about holiness and about worship, uh, further rules and, and and guidance for the people to to be the people of God, and uh, then in the book of Numbers they go up and they're ready to go into the promised land, but they fail the test. They don't have the faith. They don't have the courage, and they fail to go in. So they. The book of Numbers is about the 40, year, four, four zero, 40 years that the people of Israel spend uh, just wandering in the wilderness, learning important lessons, yes, uh, and God teaches them many things, and they have their ups and downs and backwards and forward. It seems like they take 
uh, three steps backward for every two, two two steps forward. But that's the book of Numbers. In Numbers is called the two census, counting of the people two times, one at the beginning of the book when they uh, failed the test to enter into the promised land, and one at the end as they are prepared now to go into the promised land. Now, then the book of Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, only the book of Numbers is about those 40 years. The book of Exodus covers a period of about 120 years. Um, And the book of Judges, I'm, I'm sorry, Joshua, uh, covers about eight years of battle, uh, intense battle, and then uh, it's a period of about 25 to 30 years uh, altogether uh, as the tribes take up their different allotments and they begin to, to colonize and to um, inhabit the land of Canaan. Now we come to the book of Judges. It's a 300-year period from about 1375 to, what is it? 1300 um actually uh 350 uh, yeah it's about to 1030 10 i always i always work oh, off the idea okay. in 1030 or 1040 is when the first king of israel uh the king saul mm-hmm. so the king uh the time of the judges extends up to the time of the 1040 1035 mm-hmm. in that reign range before the first king is installed and likely written by samuel and rightly uh, yeah and and probably written it is thought by samuel Mm -hmm. yeah who was the uh, he was the samuel comes into the picture at the end of the book of judges he uh he is a transitional figure from the time of the priests uh transitioning to some degree to the time of the prophets and from the time of the um, time of the judges to the time of the kings, the monarchy. So this is a 300-year period. It's a pretty good little piece of history, longer than we've been a nation here in the United States. And so we're going to cover these 300, 325 years. And again, they don't have a central government. So... What happens, Stacy? What are these? What are these three hundred years? This messy little book, yeah. sad, terrible little book of <laughs> one of the ugliest books. But yeah. it, it's there. It's got to be there for a reason. Sure, and I think even and and throughout it, I mean, it's messy and it's awful, and I think and then and then you see God's hand in Him still, His faithfulness, His um, His mercy. And yeah, and and his judgment though too, hand in hand. And he, as as faithless as we often are, and as Israel is within judges, um, just over and over again, it shows that it is not about it is not about the perfection of God's people. Clearly, we are a flawed people. It is about His perfection. And I think that that's, uh, for me, that just one of the, the main takeaways from Judges is over and again, we can, uh, we're, it, is, it is not about any good that's in us. It is about his goodness and his faithfulness to us. Well, and, there, are, there are moments, there are shifts, moments yeah. when of heroism, there right. are moments of faith. There are moments of of victory, deliverance. Mm -hmm. Uh, What happens uh, in the book of Judges, uh, 
you start telling these stories. Now, uh, there are, as I said, 12 judges, uh, Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, the, the, the lone uh, female of in the group, with uh, uh, a general named Barak, Deborah. Then you come with Gideon, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Ibzan, Elon, Abdon, and then finally Samson. And mentioned in here as well is uh, toward the it's Eli. He was a priest uh, known for he was the one who raised from infancy. He raised Samuel in the temple, and then Samuel uh, is the uh, priest. He's not actually um, not particularly necessarily a priest of the tribe of uh, Levites, but he becomes the the priest. The, the spiritual leader of the nation, he anoints Israel's first two kings, Saul and David. So he's a transitional figure for us. But those those 12 judges, uh, sometimes it writes a lot about them, sometimes it doesn't. Some of them, uh, about four or five of them are major stories. It goes into depth. But what happens is the people, uh, they get into the land. They, they're covenant people. They've, they've promised under Joshua to follow after God, to obey God, to to worship God alone, to not compromise with the the wicked, uh, idolatrous, corrupt, immoral people that lived in the land. God was using them as an instrument of judgment on the nations that were in Canaan, and they are called not to. <laughs> They are called to expel all of those who would not convert and follow after the true and living God. They were to conquer and to uh, and to move the people who did not follow after God and would not remove them from the Canaan from the land of Canaan. But they did not do that. They, they in the first the first disobedience is they did not do the battle. They did not expel the wickedness from the land, and uh, so they. So they started living with the Canaanite people. And then, of course, what happens, obviously, when we compromise with wickedness, with sin, with disobedience, is that uh, they went from living with the Canaanites to living like the Canaanites. And that's what we see in the book of Judges is this uh, constant spiral downward. It's not like they were particularly on the mountaintop under under Joshua. I mean, they were. It was battle. It was war, and mm-hmm. so people were on their best behavior. Right. <laughs> they got, you know, they got on. You know, they they say there are no uh, no atheists in the foxhole. So uh, uh, they were. They believed in God. Were trusting God. Went into the land, and God gave them victory over uh, Jericho and Ie and these other kings of, of, of in the Canaan land. God gave them victory, and then uh, Joshua dies in, in, here in the early chapters of the book of Judges. Uh, it records the, um, they, they, they failed to conquer the land, and then um, the death of Joshua there in chapter 2. And this, thus begins a, this 300-year period where they go through these cycles. Israel would serve the Lord faithfully. Let me get. I've got two different lists. One of them, uh, they went through these cycles of rebellion, retribution, repentance, 
rescue, and then rest. I like that because they're all R's and uh, kind of makes us able to remember it. But essentially the idea is that Israel, they serve the Lord, they follow after God, and then they fall into sin and idolatry. They receive God's blessings and prosperity, but then they fall into sin and idolatry worshiping uh, false gods and get into the wickedness and the immorality and the perversions of the people around them. And then they become enslaved uh, to to the people around them or some of the Moabites or the Philistines or some other people would take them over. And then they would they would suffer uh, persecution and, and their their consequences, illness, their all kinds of oppression mm-hmm. uh, on them. And then finally, they would come to the point well, they reach the bottom of the barrel and they cry out to God. So, you know, maybe a, a generation, right? And they cry out to the Lord. And then God would raise up a judge. And a judge, it isn't like in a courtroom like we have. The judge was the word. It, this is uh, this is a hero. This is a, sometimes it, it took different shapes. Uh, it would sometimes be a hero himself who would be a great warrior who would do this great act of, of uh, heroism and courage. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it was a great commander, a great leader of men, and he would gather people around him and they would follow him. Uh, a hero, a commander, sometimes it was a prophet, someone who would uh, uh, deliver God's message to them and inspire them to follow after God uh, and to do works of, of courage and bravery and to cast off the, the oppressors. From them, and sometimes it was a priest, uh, a spiritual leadership as well. So you, you got you took elements of these hero, commander, prophet, priest in each one of these. So God would raise up a judge, and they're not they're not who you think they're going to be. They're all yeah. not all. They're not. It, it's not real pretty. You know, it's not like these golden boys that rise up and you know they they always they went to sunday school and they never missed and they you know <laughs> did all of this and wonderful kids and, and grew up to be you know um billy graham's son <laughs> well when you look at it yeah i mean even you know, ahud who had a, a disability for who wasn't you know who's left-handed Think the assumption now, that he's left-handedness disabled. is not a disability. Well, I think the idea is that he was not left-handed by by choice. I think that was a oh really uh, okay. At least it, what I have read in terms of commentary. Mm-hmm. But you have a woman, you have a dis- someone with a disability, you have. A, and by the way, with that woman Deborah, there's another woman who figures into Jael. that story. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. uh, what was her name? Jael. Jael, uh, yes. He, um, right. or is, yes. Or is that? Yes, Jael drives. The yeah, the, 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 she ends up driving a, a, a tent peg through the head of the enemy general, <laughs> which is, I mean, quite a story. <laughs> I mean, really, nobody says the stories are boring, but uh, yeah. they are to some degree a little... Graphic. Yeah, graphic <laughs> and... and the the question I have for you, our listeners tonight, and I would love for you to give us a call, 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. This is the Bible Live, and what I'd really love for you to call in, if you could give us uh, some kind of response, uh, I'd like to know from you, for example, uh, something, who, who is your... Who, which is the, your favorite of the judges? Which, which one do you look to that you've learned from or, uh, in some way? And I would like for you to tell us 
What can we as believers, as followers after the true and living God and followers of Jesus Christ in the times here in 2021, uh, in, in a, a modern America, you we're you know, thousands of years uh, behind this, what's happening here in the book of Judges. But what, what lessons do you, we learn? What lesson do you learn personally, individually? What lesson do you learn? Uh, and I'm talking about you, in your, your home, your family, your neighborhood, your, your, your church, your work. What, what lesson do you take away from this personally? And then what lesson do we as, as God's people, as, as believers here in the city of San Antonio, uh, those who follow after the Lord, and we, we're serious about that, what, what can we learn from that? As we live in this city and in this nation, as, as God's people across the land, uh, are there things that we can learn from the experience of Israel during the time of the judges? They went, as I said, this cycle of obeying God and then receive God's blessing. And then they would, uh, it seems like prosperity was the great enemy. Uh, they, they would Then they would go to disobeying God. Uh, they fall into sin. They would become enslaved and in bondage. They would suffer things. They, then people would cry out to the Lord when things got bad enough. God would send a deliverer or a hero to deliver them from oppression. And they would come back to serving the Lord for a period of time. And then back into the falling into sin and idolatry. This cycle. Uh, what can we learn from that today? We're going to come back right after the break. Take your phone calls, 210 340 9585 and then we'll talk we'll talk about each one of these judges and kind of go through the book and um, kind of pull our ignorance here a little bit Stacy <laughs> and uh, tell how we've been moved and affected by the book of the judges don't go away this is the bible life you're in the we are one in the spirit we are one in the lord we Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Working with each other. Working side by side. Thanks, John. Good good choice tonight. We are back. We're looking at the book of Judges tonight here on the Bible Live broadcast. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. I'd love to hear from any of our listeners there who might want to talk a little bit about your favorite judge and, and or what do we learn? What what lesson do we learn from these men and women who are the judges of Israel. And from this particular time, uh, I consider it a fairly dark time in Israel's history. My understanding is from a Jewish perspective, there are uh, 613 
laws uh, given in Leviticus, uh, you know, the Ten Commandments in the Leviticus. And then uh, you have these 613 laws, and every one of them is broken here in the book of Judges. And the, the, in some ways it was kind of a test, I guess a rabbinical test or some way that you would be able to notice and identify every law that is broken when it's broken in this book of Judges. Mm-hmm. And if you get them all, then you're you qualified. You can go on and read another book. But if you don't get them all correct, you got to go back and read it all over again right. till you get it correct. Uh, so that's that's uh, one of the, the uh, stories is that's come to me about uh, that view of the book of Judges. And I think that obviously there, there are some things we can learn uh, in that level of Things that were done wrong, uh, yielding to idolatry, yielding to immorality and perversion and corruption there in the land. Uh, that was part of the situation. And in each case, it led to disaster. It led to them being, in this case, taken over by other people groups. Uh, and I don't know how that would relate to us as citizens, uh, Christian citizens here in this land of America. We, we, we're not. Uh, you know, we're not just tribal nations that come in and we're, you know, we live in an era now of nationhood and uh, nations are formalized and there's United Nations. And so it's, we haven't seen really a nation take over another nation in that sort of way, uh, in, a, in a big way. I suppose in some parts of the world, they're still kind of tribal and a little bit more primitive in that sense. But we wouldn't think of America, you know, like, well, we're going to be taken over, although... I wouldn't discount it <laughs> as uh, the things are turning out around the world. I don't know if that's one of the lessons we can take from the book of Judges or not. But I would like to hear from you, our listeners, about the book of Judges. What is it that we can gather? What can we learn either individually or as as God's people in our congregations, as, as Christian citizens here in this land? Uh, what can we learn as the people of God? And then finally, even as a nation, are there some applications that could come to our culture, our society, as a, as a, a consequence of not following after God and abandoning uh, the worship of the true and living God and, and chasing and after idolatry and false gods and that sort of thing? So maybe you uh, – immorality and so on. So maybe you would like to give us a call. I'd love to hear from you. What lesson do you take from the book of Judges? So, Stacy, let's let's talk. Let's just start through them. Maybe that would be a good way to go through the book and just start with number one. Eth, uh, Othniel, uh, he uh, was used by the Lord after Joshua. Joshua was his uncle, uncle. right? And he married uh, Caleb's daughter, right. o- Oxal. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> interesting, nice. interesting here. Now here's here's a guy that was. He was made to be a judge. He was, he was, this is like Franklin Graham, right? <laughs> this is a guy who's, he's already in the ministry. He's been on the, on the edge of the ministry all his life. Right. And, and now uh, he rises up and he captures a powerful Canaanite city and delivers the people from Israel from oppression. Uh, and, and, and he purchases peace. In Israel, for the people there for a period of forty years, which is 
a pretty good little period of time to be at peace and uh, experience peace and prosperity. And, and then, of course, uh, the Moabites come along in Judges chapter 3. Well, first, anything we want to say about Othniel besides he seemed to be, you know, this was his, you, he seems understandable in some ways. Right. Right, in terms of the lineage, he kind yeah. of has the uh, pedigree. <laughs> Obviously a warrior. He mm-hmm. uh, he won his wife's hand in marriage through, through war, through battle, um, very interestingly. Um, I'm glad I didn't have to win Suzanne's hand in battle. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although it was after. pretty challenging. It was a challenge. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but um, in Chapter 2 of the Judges, the angel of the Lord comes down to announce that since Israel had broken their part of the covenant, they had not driven out the Canaanite nations, the, 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 the godless uh, people groups, the idolatry, the wickedness, that the Lord would no longer enable them to drive out the pagan nations, but would instead use them as thorns in your sides to discipline Israel. So these, uh, these other nations are going to be used to, to uh, oppress Israel and to bring them back to faith in God, to remind them that they need God. And uh, so that happens in chapter 2. Then we move into the time of the judge, first judge, Othniel. Um, his famous uncle is Caleb. Mm-hmm. And, in the, and then it's him, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel, which I just, I, 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 I like, the, I mean, the... There is that mention of the Spirit of the Lord, which I think is one of the first times um, outside of the tabernacle where we're used to seeing the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord and that kind of the Holy Spirit associated with the tabernacle and with the, and this is kind of the first that I see at least, um, correct me I guess if I'm wrong there, but that that's kind of a transition to the spirit of the Lord Lord. came upon him Mm -hmm. and he became Israel's judge. Interesting. Yeah. There, there aren't obviously the, the Holy spirit, God's spirit is mentioned a number of times in the Hebrew scriptures. And uh, it's not like it was a new, uh, the spirit of God is a new reality, but uh, yeah, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Uh And it just shows even all of the, even with the pedigree, even with all this, that it, it it's it's God at work. It's not about Othniel. It's that God was with him. Interesting. Is, yeah. So even as we about, look and study these individuals, right. we don't we see that's the way I, I studied them. I think as a child, when I read the, the book of Judges as a, you know as a young boy and a teenager. It was about the heroism of Gideon or this one or Samson, mm-hmm. and they were heroes. And and, and yet now I, I think that's a great reminder is that more importantly, this is about God and his faithfulness in spite of the weakness and the faithlessness mm-hmm. of the people. God is doing his – he is still true to his own self, to his own purposes, mm-hmm. uh, the redemptive plan of God for the through using and working with this people group called Israel – and so it's yeah that's that's a good reminder it was we have to realize it wasn't about in the individuals personally it was about the spirit of the lord although if you read their stories it becomes pretty evident it wasn't it wasn't about them <laughs> right but Othniel becomes the first judge he delivers them god gave him a, a victory 
over this king. I can't even say his name. It's so long. Kushan Rishathaim. 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 I got it. I guess I could try that. Of Aram, and that the capital of Aram is Damascus, up on the on the uh, uh, up on the shores of the of the uh, Mediterranean. So Othniel, a son of Kenaz, died. So then, once again, it says the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, and and the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. So Eglon of the Ammonites, uh, he enlists the Ammonites. Uh, and the Amalekites as allies, and the Moabites, and they together defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms, uh, and the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. So they were oppressed, and then the people cried out to the Lord for help. The Lord again raises up a rescuer to save them. Uh, His name is Ehud, uh, son of Gera, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, and so they have to give tribute money to King Eglon of the Moabites. And um, so Ehud made a double-edged dagger that was about a foot long. He strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. He brought the tribute money to, to Eglon, who was very, very fat, much overweight. Uh, so uh, delivering the payment, Ehud uh, Ehud assassinates this uh, oppressive king over them. So, and it's it's, so it's ugly and it's, it's very it's so graphic. graphic. <laughs> the, the he tells how the dagger went so deep and that oh. the handle disappeared and I mean it was it was quite a story here in chapter 3 of Judges. Yeah. Uh he arrived he arrived when he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, Ehud sounded a call to arms. He led a band of Israelites down the hills. Uh, the Lord has given you victory over Moab, your enemy, and they were delivered. And they they were delivered now for 80 years of peace and prosperity by this judge named Ehud. Then comes one that we don't know nothing about, enough about, really. His name is Shamgar, son of Anath. He rescued Israel evidently from the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were a warlike uh tribe that came from further down the Mediterranean they were they were seafaring and they came down to this end of the, to the far east end of the Mediterranean and they inhabited the land so the Philistines were not among the Canaanites they were not the resident Canaanites but they came and they became a kind of a perennial constant um, thorn in the mm-hmm. side of Israel for many many years uh, hundreds of years, in see, fact. Yeah, we see Goliath. Goliath later, later on. Mm-hmm. David has to deal with him. Mm-hmm. Saul has to deal with him. Uh, in fact, this Saul is killed by the Philistines and his sons. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Shamgar, uh, all we know about Shamgar is he once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. And to tell the honest truth, an ox goad is a, an instrument that a farmer would carry and he would to goad the the oxen to make them move forward, keep them an not ox, a whip, an but ox a, goad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is what it says. That's back when they called things what, what they, they did, were. right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, what kind of a, a warrior he must have been? I, I cannot even imagine. 
Those Philistines get He killed 600 Philistines. Goliath was killed with some rocks. With an ox goad. <laughs> an ox goad. What yeah. in the world? Well, there's a warrior uh, for you that he raised up and God used. Now then, then we come to this, in chapter 4 of Judges, we come to this lone female of the Judges. Uh, uh, after Ahud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. And the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in uh, this town's name that I can't say right now. Sisera <laughs> had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. You see a pattern, right? Mm-hmm. They ab- abandoned the Lord. They disobeyed the Lord. Then they are oppressed. And they are subjugated to uh, 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 dictators and oppression and, and uh, torture or whatever. And, and then they cry out to the Lord. Uh, it kind of reminds me sometime of us. That we, you know, what, what C.S. Lewis said about suffering. God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he yells to us in our pain. And so uh, God would get their attention. Yeah, his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Yeah. So Deborah, the wife of um, Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Abinoam. And uh, she would judge and help make decisions between the people. And he said, call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And uh, I will call out Sisera and I will give you victory over him. And she tells the man, uh, Barak, that. And Barak, one day she sent for Barak's son. Uh, evidently, he is a military leader. But he says, I'll go, but only if you go with me, which is interesting. And so they go together, <coughs> and they do this battle, <coughs> and they defeat then this Canaanite king, Jabin, <coughs> and his general, Sisera. Now, the interesting thing about there are two interesting things I want to point out. One is that once they win the battle, Sisera escapes the battle site, the battleground, and he goes and takes up, uh, hides with this couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're uh, an Israelite couple. And real quick, before before yep. we finish that, so uh-huh. when when um, Barak says to Deborah that he will go. Deborah, you know, she's a prophetess, and and she said to him, "Yes, I will go with you, but just know this, Barak, there will not be glory for you. It would be by the hand of a woman that um, Sisera is killed." So she she does, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> prophesy that, and I think that that's and, and, interesting. And you enjoy bringing that point out. It. Well, <laughs> and, and it's a oh, testament, it's it and is. it is a testament still to to Barak. I mean, one that he wanted Deborah to go with him, and then two that even though she says there won't be glory for you in this, this is going to be a hand of a woman. That uh-huh, he amen. still, he still okay. He still goes, and I think that's actually yeah, really yeah, that's good. Uh, faithful of, of that's him. Good. And it turns out uh, true to be true in a twofold way. Right. Not yeah. only Deborah herself right. but this uh, this woman named Jael mm-hmm. uh, they are friends Heber the husband is a Kenite and they are their member their family were friends with King Jabin of Hazor mm-hmm. so they were a little bit they kind of separated themselves a little bit from Israel 
because of, uh, you know, probably trying to stay alive, <laughs> stay alive, I guess. Right. And but Jaya goes out to meet Cicera, this this um, general who is fleeing the battle site and come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into the tent. She covered him with a blanket. Here's some water. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag, covered him. Stand at the door of the tent. If anyone comes and asks if there is anyone here, say no. He fell asleep from exhaustion. Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. And you know the rest of the story. Um, on that day, God uh, saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king, at the hand of two women. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. So we see again deliverance from from oppression right. uh, after a time of of rebellion against god and and abandoning god's the worship of god and and involving themselves in idolatry and wickedness and in uh immorality so then uh chapter five the second aspect of deborah that is interesting is chapter five is a song that uh she uh sings Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. And so there's a song of victory, and they recount the victory, the, the battle, and they give glory to God. That, that's, a, that's a high point. It really is. Uh, from Then it begins to get worse and worse. This downward spiral that people, uh, during this 300-year period, uh, now we come to a guy named Gideon. Gideon is one of the more well-known of the ju- judges. And he's your favorite. Well, I don't know about favorite, but you, I think, said who you most maybe relate relate with. to. Uh-huh. And I think, I think probably Gideon. Uh, Tell his story a little bit for our listeners, and, and maybe why you kind of relate. You feel like you relate to him. Sure. Well, uh, I think that there is a good inst. I mean, I think that his heart. I think he he does remember. I think he longs for. Um, for the Lord, I think his uh, wanting to that that first step, it's kind of a timid step, but that step of um, faithfulness and tearing down the Asherah pole and of going against uh, Baal mm-hmm. was 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 good. And I think God used that little seed of faithfulness um, to to. To appoint him, to they him. would come down. The, the Midianites would come down. They would attack them. They would take their crops, left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, mm-hmm. donkey, and these enemy hordes coming after and taking away all of their food supplies and so on. Uh, it says they were thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, mm-hmm. and they stripped the land. And uh, so the people finally cried out to the Lord because of Midian. And the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. And then we pick up with the story of Gideon, who evidently is a young man. He, a little bit of a a rebel. He does seek after God. He, he, uh, the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the tree and and to talk with him and tells him, uh, Gideon, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Uh, if the Lord is with us, why is all this unha- why is all this happening to us? And where are uh, the miracles our ancestors told us about? 
I tell you what, I think I like him already. Right. I've I've said that a few times about America. You know, I said, well, <laughs> Lord, wh- where are you? Wh- what's all? We need a miracle. Where's that revival that we've been hearing about and right. praying for in, in the past and so on? So, so Gideon's in. He's in the battle. He's in there. Mm-hmm. He's and he, he sort of argues here with with the um, with the messenger of the Lord, <laughs> and. Um, he says, I can't rescue Israel. My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, uh, and I'm the least in my entire family. Mm-hmm. That brings up the point you said earlier. Right, and there does seem to be, uh, at least I think that, that that's important. I think that, um, I mean, God God uses that in, in to just make it so obvious and clear that it is by God's hand that the battles are won, that it is not of our ability yeah, of yeah. our it's uh we are when we are weakest he is made and deborah knew that stronger. and they and now gideon knows that he uh-huh. he's very clear i'm the smallest family and the right. weakest tribe you know but uh, then we, when he and then but then when he is given victory he <laughs> ten, he oh look at what i did. yeah yeah <laughs> it, it gets he's, a little puffed he's up quick to um but he's got a lot of adventure to go through before he yeah. gets to that point. Yeah. Then, the, then he says, "Prove to me that you're." And he, and he says, "Okay, when you, uh, what is it? When you get up in the morning, and the, the fleece will be dry." Or so at first he tell, asks God, I'm, "Yeah, I'll leave this fleece out and to show, then make the ground dry and the fleece wet." But then he realizes that's how it would naturally be. So, oh wait, so God, can you? Yeah, do it the other way around. Do it the other way. Yeah, <laughs> this time. Do a switcheroo. Very human. That's that's Gideon, and uh, that's the story we all remember from Sunday school. Uh, he doubts, and, and he, but but all the while he's taking these steps. And they're dangerous steps. I mean, he tears down the Asherah pole. Mm-hmm. He goes to battle with 300 people. Yeah. He it, trusts it, that God, you know, yep. is going to do what he says he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so he takes these steps of faith and he asks for a sign. And then he defeats the Midianites. He raises up his army. And they have 22. <laughs> he has 22,000 of them. Uh, well, he starts out with 32,000. Uh, Thirty-two. I think. Oh, it starts out with thirty-two thousand, mm-hmm. and then the Lord tells him, the, "Whoever is timid or afraid may leave the mountain and go home." Mm-hmm. And so He tells them that, and twenty-two thousand of them, over half of His people, went home. So it leaves him with ten thousand people to fight. And the Lord says, "There's still too many of you, and so go down to the water to drink. And those who drink with their mouths in the stream." Mm-hmm. Uh, are are eliminated only those who kneel down and drink um let me see uh, only those who drink from their hand mm-hmm. and, and and drank with their mouth um only 300 drink from their hands mm-hmm. while the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream only those 300 made the cut you know, goes with it. Yeah. Can you imagine if something like that was made the rule at basic training out at Lackland? You know, all of you keep getting the army smaller and smaller, I guess. Well, that we're down to Gideon. Uh, we'll finish his story and come back. I'd love to hear from any of you that would like to give us a call. 210-340-9585. What lessons, what encouragement, what uh, admonition can we take as believers here in the 21st century? How, what can we learn 
from the book of Judges. We'll be back in a little bit. Don't go away. The books of the Bible, time-tested and reliable. Scripture has a power that's undeniable. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, first and second. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Kings, first and second chronicles. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, and That's where we are right now. We're in the books of Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. And we're trying to get our way through these 12 judges of Israel. We've gotten down to Gideon, this one that we eh, pretty much well-known Gideon is. Uh, he... Gideon is the one that uh, he destroyed his family idols... He used a, a fleece to determine God's will and had to go back for a second shot at that one. He asked God to do it both ways. And then he raised an army of 10,000, and he defeated the Midianite army of 135,000 people, 135,000 warriors with only 300 soldiers. I mean, quite an interesting individual, this guy named Gideon, but... Uh, mainly, God is at work in him, with him, through him, in delivering the people who had cried out to the Lord. And I, th- I suppose there's some good news in these. That's a good word about God's ability to save. Oh, sure. We should never short. He can use anything, yeah, anyone. Anyone and anything, mm-hmm. and uh, he can do it. God can bring about his purposes, mm-hmm. and so that should be an encouraging thing. Then we come to these two uh, judges we don't know a whole lot about. Tola, he judged Israel for 23 years. And then Jair, his chief uh, claim to fame was that he had 30 sons. And I think they all ran around on donkeys, right? Isn't he the one that said he had so many donkeys and all of his sons ran around <laughs> on donkeys? Uh, which was a sign of uh, wealth and influence, I think, in those days. So that's uh, Tola and Jair. Then we come to this fellow named Jephthah, who is very interesting because he definitely is not one you would think is going to be a hero. He, he, he's he, he's a, an illegitimate child of his father, and and then he he's just a great – the only thing he has is he's – He's a great warrior, evidently very gifted uh, soldier. And so they uh, make a deal with him since he's so good that if you would, if you will deliver us, if you will lead our troops and deliver us, we'll make you uh, our judge, our ruler. And so Jephthah does it. Uh, he does deliver them. Mm-hmm. And, and then he comes back from the battle, and he, I guess he's most well-known for this terrible decision he makes mm-hmm. he he makes a promise a vow that the first thing that comes out of his home to welcome him when he comes back from the battle he's going to sacrifice mm-hmm. to the lord which which right there and then does show his kind of limited under as if god would want that you know i mean his that particularly and, it, and especially the way it turned out sure and and but it shows the influence of it's a very kind of pagan 
a very legalistic approach to mm -hmm. relating with God. It would have been something that the you know the the Canaanites around them would have done burnt offerings and sacrifices. Well, if a sheep had come out, maybe somehow you would have thought, right? Or, or maybe who knows? Maybe even a dog or something. But his daughter, his home, right? His daughter and comes his daughter out, comes and out. and, and uh, so. So instead of saying, "Oh, I I repent of that." Instead of being humble and he feels like he back, has to carry he feels through like with, he has yeah. to carry through, which clearly doesn't understand God's character, doesn't understand the law, and uh, and then chooses to burn his daughter. So that's a lesson for us as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we Don't need to know what me. we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and jo right. jo uh, Jacob has content. God has revealed Himself. Right. Right. And told us things about himself and shown us things about himself. And it shows. And, and yeah. we don't just go off into empty religiosity. Mm -hmm. We worship the true and living God who has shown us his character. And so there, there's a word for us there as well that we're not just kind of uh, superstition religiosity. Sure. That may be kind of right. what. Or even, I mean, it also kind of shows the harm. Um, that can come from legal, you know, from legalism, yeah. and from any kind of uh, when when we think that our ability and that our um, our what we can give to God is more valuable than what God gives to us, we're in trouble. Mm -hmm. In other words, Japheth thinks that him yeah. giving his daughter's life to God is is more valuable than just obedience and mm -hmm. humble and mm -hmm. repentance. And yeah. Now, each of these stories has a few more details to it. Uh, and, and if you read the book of Judges, uh, uh, it's interesting, the detail and the and the, uh, the, the, the and it's interesting that uh, it, Samuel wrote this. He didn't exclude things that made them look bad. I mean, right. he clearly included all the warts, all the difficulties, all the problems, all the the sin and, and the wickedness and the weakness of these people as well. Mm -hmm. But so Jephthah comes along, and then you have Ibzan and Elon and Abdon. We don't know much about them, but they uh, uh, Jephthah, only, they only experienced about six years of peace from his deliverance from the Ammonites. And then these others come along, seven years, ten years, eight years, and then we come to Samson. Uh, Samson is the last of the twelve. He is a son, introduces to his Israelite family, mom and dad, who evidently have some desire to please God. They understand and they want their son to, to marry, uh, uh, and not from a racist point of view, but a, 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 an Israelite woman who worships God and loves the Lord. Right. Uh, but Samson, his great weakness seems to be, uh, or at least one of his weaknesses, women. He just doesn't. Uh, he, he doesn't, he's, he's weak and he doesn't make a decision about his wife in, in a serious way about his, it doesn't take into account his faith. Uh, he has, he's a Nazarite. He, his parents have made an, a Nazarite vow in that, remember, they're not to drink alcohol, they're to never, not cut their hair. And uh, there's a certain dedication to God mm -hmm. expected. But Samson just doesn't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he is blessed by God. He has a supernatural strength. Uh, and, and 
all the movies that we see show, if you ever, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger versions of of uh, Samson, I'm sorry, uh, that he's all muscle. No, we have to remember the strength that any of these people had comes from God. It's not because he was buff and he worked out at the gym every day and he was a big muscle-bound guy. He may have been some scrawny little weak guy with long hair, but uh, but God was with him and gave him supernatural strength. He killed a lion with his bare hands. He uh, burned the Philistine wheat fields. He set you know these foxes' tails on fire, and they went through the wheat fields and, and burned up the um, their wheat. He killed a thousand Philistines with the donkey's jawbone. There you go again. That's <laughs> almost as bad as an, an ox goat. Uh, tore off an iron gate and, and carried it for many miles. Uh, was betrayed by Delilah, his Philistine wife, uh, but he destroyed thousands of Philistines in one light, last mighty act. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Samson, all the put is is one of the great. Um, is a story of wasted potential. I mean, really, mm-hmm. all that he could have been and could have done. Um, that that's something that's always motivated me as a, a believer, even young. That. Um, I think our listeners know a little of my background. Uh, I, I, too, was born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth, passed around to 16 families before I was six years old and put into a home for homeless and delinquent boys where I met Christ at age eight. And I've always, even as a young boy, I've always thought, boy, I want to accomplish, I want to be all that God would enable me in, to be. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have any great, you know, it wasn't... Um, uh, that I wanted to be something great, but I just wanted to. I didn't. I, I just wanted to be everything that God would enable me to be, and that's always been kind of a motivating thing in my life. And Samson, uh, it, it always hurts me to read the story of Samson because he's such unfulfilled potential mm-hmm. that, that wasted uh, by just through lust and through mm-hmm. his foolishness. And I think, uh, yeah, and I think the story of Samson, it is, it's so sad. I think that's where we see, I think, just just how, uh, how sad and how destructive and how tragic sin can be. Even sin that you would think is harmless in a person's life. I mean, well, he, he just... He just loves women. What's the problem? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, he's that's just what kind of. Everybody would say in our in our times, right, particularly. And he just and and there's there's all sorts of ways to kind of justify it or to rationalize it. Or I'm sure Samson thought, "What's the harm?" Or "Why well, don't feel like I'm being this or that?" And and yet at the end of the day, he was it was a, he was violating God's will and his. You know, for, for his for his life, he was, and 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 his identity and his became something other than ultimately God, and and so how something so seemingly not not bad can really just destroy you, and I I think that's that's one of the the tragic things for me about Samson was. He just let that become his identity. And that's how it is with all idols. I mean, that's how it, it's a lot of times how, I mean, even with Japheth, you know, you, he let a vow, he let something seemingly good, something seemingly I'm sacrificing for, but ultimately just destroy you. Because when it's not 
God's will, when it's not, uh, it's it's not God's character. It's not His obedience to His law. It's not worshiping Him. Um, What needs to be is God's will done in God's way, Mm -hmm. and and either the the actual behavior can be wrong or the actual motive can be wrong, and and we see that in these in these stories of these judges. but it's, it, it is sad that, and all the while we're looking at these individuals, but the nation is spiraling, spiraling down, downward, 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 continually over this 300-year period. And finally, we come to these last chapters of the book of Judges, which we did not read this past week. I'll read them tomorrow in the Bible Live broadcast. By the way, folks, you can go to thebiblelive.com. And you can read, we'll read through the Bible together. Uh, go to thebiblelive.com, click on the podcast there, and you'll see uh, the, the readings for this coming week. We read these final chapters of the book of Judges, and then we'll read the little book of Ruth. And if you need a little encouragement, sometimes after I read the book of Judges, I feel like I need to take a shower. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, <laughs> oh, it's so discouraging, and it's so... The wickedness and and the and yet it's yeah. not otherworldly. It, it's about uh, us. Uh, we as God's people, we are so weak and so frail and so prone to wander, as the old hymn says. Uh, and yet God is faithful to them and brings them through and delivers them when they cry out to Him. And we just need to learn to stay there on our knees. <laughs> Uh, calling and crying out to the Lord, but we come. We're going to read these final chapters of the Book of Judges, eighteen through twenty-one, and there are two uh, major stories. One is about the idolatry in the tribe of Dan, one of the tribes that does not. They do not clear out. They do not trust God to clear out their their allotment of land to get rid of the idolatry and the wickedness and the perversion and the immorality. They do not uh, do it. And they, uh, it starts in chapter 17, actually, uh, with this uh, man named Micah. And he uh, makes a, a an idol. And then the, the tribe of Dan come along and they start, they take that silver that he's made an idol with. Uh, he's a Levite. Uh, so Micah installed a Levite as his personal priest and he lived in Michael's house. And so, I mean, they just they just kind of weave and they they change up God's laws. They they use they try to kind of stay a little bit in the form of 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 the right thing, but they have nothing of the spirit of mm-hmm. God's laws and commands. And then the, this tribe of Dan comes along, and they uh, they haven't obeyed God, so they're thrown out of their allotment of land, and so they have to attack and. It's just a sad, sad story. And then you come to chapter 19, uh, this Levite and his concubine. And this becomes the the culmination of this downward spiral all through the book of Judges. Uh, this Levite is traveling with his concubine. I don't know what a Levite is doing with a concubine anyway. But then he comes into a town in the... Uh, um, he brought home a woman from Bethlehem in Judah to be his concubine. And he's, uh, after about four months, 
He sets out for Bethlehem to speak personally to her and persuade her to come back. She abandons him. And then she goes uh, back to her parents. She and goes back to her parents. And then he goes to get her. Uh, and uh, th- it's just this terrible story of he gets into, into the tribe of Benjamin and they um, uh, some terrible immorality takes place. They actually end up uh, abusing, accosting the woman, uh, people from the town. And they kill well, her. Yeah, they they so she goes to her parents, and the Levite is, so it's the Levite and the this prostitute that's at her parents, and a group of a group of people nearby see that she's there, and they demand that the priest comes out. They demand that he comes out mm-hmm. because they want to abuse him and right and and. <laughs> and have their way with him, and with he him, yeah. and he said he doesn't. He's coward. Like, you know, won't go out there, and so forces her to go out there instead. And the parents let her go out there, and they so they 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 do they, they abuse, abuse her, her and kill her and kill her, and uh, and one. I mean, it, it's just and. I, at least in in Israel's defense, they also recognize how awful it is. So it's not as if this was something that was okay at large. They at least were still had the the wherewithal and and the the humanity to realize how horrible this was. And so they they do you know go after this group that did this well but it does that's kind not of, the worst i mean a, even after they yeah. killed the girl they then he uh-huh. there's no he delicate lies way to say he, it. Under, he cuts yeah. up her body and they send pieces of her, her body to the 12 tribes yeah. so and, and it says in, in chapter 19 verse 30 everyone who saw it said such a horrible crime has not been committed in all the time since Israel left Egypt mm-hmm. think about it what are we going to do who's going to speak up and they all the Israelites were united as one man it took this kind of right. a of a perverse horrible horrible thing crisis mm-hmm. uh, to get their attention and from Dan to the north to Beersheba in the south including those from across the Jordan in the land of Gilead, the entire nation assembled in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah and the leaders, and they went to war against Benjamin, mm-hmm. 400,000 warriors. It, so it culminates that all of this sin and this wickedness and this perversion culminates in a civil war mm-hmm. where they they practically annihilate and destroy the tribe of Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Um the Levite, the husband of the woman who had been murdered, said, my my concubine and I came to spend the night and so on. And they went to war. Uh, so many people are killed that they almost wipe out the entire tribe. They don't have then, then they don't have wives, uh, men for the men, few men that remain. And they have to make up this way to get wives. And Israel provides wives for the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, it's just this horrible mess, mess mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that they make in the end of. Of this time and of each man in the last verse in the book in those days Israel had no king all the people did whatever seemed right in their own yeah, eyes yeah. and that's that's what happens mm-hmm. when we stop following after God's word well it, it there's so many things we could say here but 
that is a message to us. I think as believers in our era, in our time, we're not Israel, no, but God looks to his people as he judges our nation and our land. And all of these things that we've been mentioning, Stace, we need, as God's people, we we need to follow after him, obey him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I think and of I, course, this means in every area of our life. Right, and I think, especially, I guess, in that story in particular, one of the the missing factors, I, I think, that at least I see when it just really goes bad in Judges is um, is just a lack of, of humility from every single person. I mean, in, in this little, in this story of this woman, the really the, the one that showed humility was the girl who went back to her parents' house. Yeah. You know, she returned home and, and I think of what seems humility. But you've got a Levite priest, you've got a priest here, you've got parents here, you've got a town of people that are evidently so consumed by sex and sexuality that they're willing to become a mob in order to, you know, to get this girl. And and it just, at, at every point, there was a person that had the opportunity to speak up or to or to do the right thing or to be humble or to say, hey, you know, and it, and so I think. But the culture was gone. The culture, I mean, it, it, it escapes. Yes. Yes. At some point it escapes from the control of, of like an individual at some level and the reactions and the responses mm-hmm. in some way seem almost wasted because the, there's no foundation. Right. Right. The culture is gone. There's no, there's nothing to appeal to. There's just, uh, it, it's it's just a terrible mess. It really is. Um, well, I think that the the Levite probably would have um, would have had a, a, a chance to to maybe stop it or to, but instead of admitting, I mean, he should never have had the con- uh, concubine in the first place. Instead of being able to admit or to himself take on the consequence he just makes it worse by hiding behind her or then by sending out her parts and to the rest of it and say look what they did and they and then he he made the issue about that which it was horrible and wrong but he never should have been Boy, there in the first place they didn't have the internet but he sure did get their attention with that little yes and he deflected his part in it by doing that, really. Um, well, it's interesting here that God is at work even in the middle of this situation. And I think that's the thing you brought out so well tonight is that as you read the book of Judges, if you focus on the people, on the men, uh, on the situation, it is very depressing. But if you focus on God and his faithfulness and his love, his patience, mm-hmm. oh, Think you know with us with them and now into with us, mm-hmm. and yet it should inspire us to obedience yeah. and and to obey the Lord and seek the Lord and cry out to the Lord uh, in, in in our times in which we're living as well. No doubt about yeah, it. I love that. Uh, what is that? Uh, who says it? That God is far more forgiving than we could ever imagine, and. Sin is far more destructive than we can ever imagine. imagine. And I I think we see that 
tenfold in the book of Judges. Mm-hmm. Our sin and is, is no laughing. Now, even something that's small can, I mean, it, it, it's devastating and it wreaks havoc and it's not worth it. Idols will always fail you. Not just fail you, they will kill you. They will destroy you and your family. It is not worth it. But God is so, but all it takes is God. God's presence. And And, and yet, more adding to that a little bit, we need to worship God as He is, not some superstitious idea of God. But, and that's why the Bible, the Bible Alive, that's why getting into this book and understanding who the true and living God is is so important. Well, I'll see you next week, folks. We'll read the little story of Ruth and then go back to the Gospel of Luke. God bless you. Have a great week, you and your family. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.